Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. Romans chapter 7. Uh, one thing about cowboys is they will dang sure get themselves in a wreck every now and then, won't they? I know Kevin, a lot of his messages have to do with wrecks he's been in, and a lot of mine do, and uh, that's one reason we get along so good. A lot of guys talk about how good, how good of hands they are and try to one-up each other. Me and Kevin talk about wrecks we've been in, try to one-up each other. So I didn't want to one-up one up him this morning with a story about one of my own wrecks, but I thought I'd share a story I read a few years ago uh, about this old boy who managed to get himself in a heck of a wreck. He has, uh, he's been heard to say that roping a turkey buzzard probably wasn't the smartest thing that he ever did. Old boy said that he was riding a, a snorty little hackamore colt, said he was pretty bronky, Across some pretty rough country, he's up in southern Idaho. Buckaroo for all you flat brims out here. He said the ground was pretty rough. You know, there's a bunch of busted rocks and clumps of sagebrush and narrow gullies and stuff. Just a bunch of spots that a feller would be pretty wise to steer clear of anyhow. You know, if he was a horseback. and He's riding this snorty little colt, nothing but a hackamore. And as he tells the story, he was doing the usual that you do on a colt. He was riding along and, you know, swinging his rope a little bit, tossing it out in front of him, pulling it back, pulling it up. And... He said the old colt was putting up with it, but he wasn't too thrilled about it. You know, he said he's looking back at him with that old stink eye and kind of just looking for a reason to, to bust in two. And he said about that time, him and his pony topped a little rise and they saw a dead calf with a buzzard feeding on it. And as he tells it, he said the opportunity was there and I just couldn't help but take advantage of it. First time I told this story, I laughed so hard I was crying, I couldn't hardly tell it. So without thinking of the consequences, he spurred his horse towards the big black feathered shape and Shook him out of loop and swung it a few times, let go, and it landed right on target. And just as he pulled his slack and took his dallies, he said the buzzard took off for the wild blue yonder. He said the rope was tight around its neck, it was in front of one wing, and it was behind another wing. Now the bronc, who was spooked to begin with about running up on a funny-looking black thing with a long red neck, really came unhooked when the trap buzzard started to flap its wings and squawk and screech in fear. The colt broke in two. Y'all picture this? It gets better. Some of you have been there. The colt broke in two, and suddenly the cowboy was faced with a dilemma. He had a choice to make right then and there. He could jump off, he could turn loose of his rope, or he could hang on to the reins and his dally for dear life. And that's what he decided to do. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen ten years ago. You ain't lying to me. <laughs> the buzzard, who was jerked over backwards just as he became airborne, flipped over backwards a couple more times and squawked in rage and started flapping his wings and trying to get his balance back. And About that time, the horse lunged forward over the top of the buzzard, and then shied back as the bird started whipping him with his big old wings in the face. About that time, the horse stepped over the rope with a hind leg. Oh, it gets better. Y'all know what happened then. The wreck was really on. Horse decided to give up on pitching, and he just plain decided to haul the mail. Took off as fast as he could. Cowboy said the screeching, squawking buzzard, who was still attached by the rope to cowboy, horse, and saddle, only hit the high places, bouncing from boulder to boulder. Y'all picture that? as the colt kept trying to outrun the big black monster that was tied onto the back of him. Now with only a hackamore on him, the cowboy was forced to hang on, he said, until the horse got tired. And he said it took several miles at uh, what he called breakneck speed over dangerous footing in southern Idaho. He said finally the colt started to wear down, and he said I eased him into a circle and then a smaller circle, and he said finally to just a shivering, quivering stop. Bug eye, lathered up, but he stopped. He said, I took me a big old deep breath. And he said, I turned that colt, lathered up, bug-eyed, shaking, shivering, quivering, 
just had him face down the rope. He said, I figured I'd just take off my dallies, step off, get my rope. About the time he swung his leg over the kennel, that old buzzard managed one final feeble <laughs> flap of his wings. Colt's eyes bugged out even more. He snorted and spun away from the black monster just as the cowboy lost his balance and hit the ground. With miles to walk ahead of him back to camp, the cowboy decided the next time he saw a buzzard, he'd just leave it alone. <laughs> True story, guys. I like that story. I love that story. I love that story for several reasons. First, if you've, uh, if you've spent any time around horses, as most of us have, you have probably had some sort of wreck, amen? So I think we can probably all identify with this story in one way or another. Secondly, I think it illustrates a subject that is really relevant when it comes to talking about our ride as Christians. Whether you are a brand new Christian or you've been riding with Jesus Christ for a long time, I think we all rope a buzzard from time to time. Now when I say rope a buzzard, what I mean is we've all made decisions in our life that were the wrong ones. We've all had issues in our life, whether they're activities we're involved in or thoughts we have or maybe even addictions that we've got. We've all got things that Choices we've made, things that we know we should turn loose of, but for one reason or another, we just don't. There's a term some of you might have heard, some of you might not. It's called spiritual blindness. And I heard a great sermon about it years ago, and I'll never forget it. Spiritual blindness is not being able to see the way out that God has for us when we're faced with circumstances that we don't know how to get out of. And I'd like to expand on that concept just a little this morning because sometimes we ain't even smart enough to be looking for a way out of the wreck that we've got ourselves into. You know, the old boy in this story knew how to get out of the wreck that he'd created for himself. If he'd ever just turned loose of that riata, I imagine that colt would have calmed down quite a bit. But he didn't, guys. He took his dallies, he hung on. Now, I'm sure he had his reasons for doing that. And those reasons could be the same as a lot of our reasons for not looking for a way out of the wrecks that we've got ourselves into or that we're fixing on getting into. Maybe, maybe this guy didn't really think he was in that much danger. I don't know, maybe he knew he was in danger, but he just didn't really care. He didn't care about his welfare anymore or what happened to him. Or maybe, and this is probably my best guess, maybe he didn't want to turn loose of the Riata. Because if you ever priced one, they ain't cheap. <laughs> Amen, buckaroos. <laughs> For a good one. They ain't cheap. The point is, guys, when, when it comes to things in our life that we know ain't good for us, and, and we know it's not what God wants us to do, why do we keep on doing Spiritual blindness is not being able to see the way out of the wreck. But what happens when we know how to get out, but we choose not to? Sometimes we turn loose of our dally and stop the wreck right before it happens. But sometimes, for one reason or another, we take another rap. Hang on. Kick him in the guts. Let's see what happens. Even, even when we know it ain't the right thing to do. It's not the smart thing to do. It's not the best thing to do. Romans chapter 7. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, and one of the reasons... Paul wrote it was to encourage the Roman believers to rely on, on nothing but God's grace for their salvation. And it's so important, guys that, and gals, that we always remember that salvation doesn't come through acts. It, it comes from God's grace alone, nothing else. There is no amount of good deeds we can do to receive salvation. The only way we get salvation is by accepting Christ, by asking forgiveness of our sins and repenting, trying to turn away from roping the buzzards we ride up on. Guys, when we do those things, God's grace is what gives us eternal life. But it doesn't mean we automatically become perfect angels. Romans chapter 7, we'll start at verse 14. Paul writes, We know that the law is spiritual, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. 
I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, that's what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my body. What a wretched man I am. What a screw-up I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Guys, does any of that sound familiar? If you say no, I'm going to call you a liar, because it sounds familiar to me, and I'm a preacher. What Paul shows us here is that even after we have been saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are still going to say and do and think things that are sinful. The reason for this is simple. We're human. We're human beings. Ever since Adam and Eve, if you, that is that dang woman, if it wasn't for Eve, I'm telling you. I'm, hey, God's word, I can't help it. That stinking woman. Ever since Adam and Eve, if you're human, guys, you have got a sinful nature. Paul says, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. How many of you feel that way sometimes? I do. Now, guys, please don't misunderstand me. I am not saying that because we are born with a sinful nature that it's okay to just do whatever we want and use this scripture as an excuse. Nothing could be further from the truth. What I am saying is that no matter where you are in, in your ride with Jesus Christ, there are always going to be those desires to do things that are sinful in nature. And it's up to us to choose not to rope the buzzard when we ride up on it. As long as we have asked Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, we've asked forgiveness of our sins, we're, we're trying to turn from those ways, sinning isn't going to take, our, take away our salvation. And I firmly believe that. But guys, we need to remember that God only wants good things for us. We need to remember that He has got a plan for each and every one of our lives. And whatever that plan is, I guarantee it does not involve sin. That's what people don't understand. They think, well, I accepted Jesus, I got saved, and, and, and everything's going to be wonderful. I'm going to heaven, but I'll keep drinking a case of beer a day or, or doing drugs or beating my wife or whatever they do. And, and they may go to heaven, you know? But guys, that's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is getting closer to God on a daily basis because God has a plan for your life you can't even fathom. I promise you. And until you get to that point where he says, all right, you're ready, you'll never get there. You follow me? Whatever God's plan is for your life, whether your soul is saved or not, I promise you it does not involve sin. If you sin, if you're really sorry and you ask for forgiveness, God will forgive you. And that sin doesn't take away your salvation, guys. But here's what sin will do. Sin can and will put a kink in God's plan for your life. It'll put a twist in your rope so it doesn't work like it should. It can slow down the process of God bringing you to where he wants you to be where he had planned for you to be when he created you. It can slow down the process of you receiving all the great things God has in store for you. Now the good news is, once we're born again, the Bible says that we are no longer a slave to sin. We don't ride for sin's outfit no more. If you're still in Romans, I don't know where else you'd be, turn back to chapter, chapter 6. 
Romans chapter 6, start at verse 1. Paul says, what should we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace may increase? In other words, should we keep on doing the things we ought not to do just so God's grace is all that more obvious? Verse 2, by no means. Heck no. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we've been hooked up with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin could be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now skip down to verse 11. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but instead offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you ain't under law, you're under grace. You ain't under law, you're under grace. Huh? Yeah. I don't really like saying amen. So I, yeah. God's Word says here when we're baptized, we're buried into death so that just like Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, we too are raised from the dead with our sinful bodies. We too may live a new life. In other words, when we accept Jesus, we're, we are dead to sin, but we are alive through Him. It, it, now, it doesn't say we're immune to sin. Did you all see that in there? It doesn't say we're immune to sin. I know, I've, I haven't read this whole thing, but I've read a lot of it a lot of times, and I have not found, I've even Googled it. I went to BibleGateway.com. It does not say we're immune to sin anywhere in here, guys. It says we're dead to it, and there is a difference. See, that's part of what baptism is. By being dunked in the water and coming up out of the water, you, you're symbolically showing the, the change that has taken place in your life. When you're dunked, it symbolizes the, the death and the burial of the old you, of your sinful nature. And when you come up, it symbolizes the new you coming to life through Jesus Christ living in you. Guys, when we make that commitment and start to really, truly ride with Jesus, thankfully, many of those sinful desires are taken from us. But just like there are a bunch of parts to being a Christian, there are lots of ways that those sinful desires are taken from us. When I accepted Jesus as my Savior and my soul was saved, I got baptized. My wife and I got married on a Saturday and got baptized together the next day. And I'm here to tell you guys, I didn't really feel any different right away. What? That's right. I'm a preacher. I wasn't then. I was far from it. I promise you. But I didn't really feel any different right away. Now, to be honest, when they brought me out of that water, I, I did feel a really indescribable feeling come over me, but it could have been relief that the water wasn't boiling, to be honest with you. Uh, I told the pastor, you might want to do that twice just to make sure it really took. And he didn't think it was very funny, but that's what happened. Neither did my wife, who was standing right next to me. But uh, in the days that followed, guys, I remember thinking to myself, okay, my soul is saved. I believe in Jesus Christ. I've been baptized to, to show the world that and to show that I ride with him. Now what? I remember I was shooing horses full time. I remember driving down the road one day going, well, now what? I don't, I, don't really, I don't feel any different. And for a while, my actions reflected that. See, it wasn't until I started doing the other things that God's word says to do, like, like getting in his word daily like getting involved in church or, or uh, some kind of Christian thing, and, like surrounding myself with other Christians, that those desires slowly started to go away. 
See, guys, it didn't happen all at once. I went from riding up on a buzzard and not even thinking twice and going, phew, let's go, to roping him and going, I, 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 I know what happens, and letting go before I dally, to riding up on a buzzard and going, know what happens. Know what happens when you rope one of them and just riding on by. And guys, here's the great thing. You know what? The more I chose to just ride on by that buzzard and leave my rope on the saddle, the less wrecks I got in. What? Why, it's an epiphany. It's just, it's amazing. Guys, this stuff ain't rocket science. But sometimes it seems like it is. The less buzzards you rope, the less wrecks you get in. What? Hmm. And the less wrecks I got into, the more I was able to focus on God. And the more I was able to focus on God and my relationship with Him, the more He was able to show me the great things He had in store for my life. See, my point is, no matter where you are in your ride with Jesus Christ, there are always going to be... There's always going to be that sinful nature fighting for your attention. And to get to receive all of the, the great things that, that God has for us, we have got to learn how to control that. If we don't, even though our soul is saved, we can miss out on a bunch of wonderful things in our life here on earth. God didn't create you to have a miserable life. I promise you. But see, if we don't do that, so much of our time is taken up trying to get ourselves out of the wrecks that we've created. We don't even have time to focus on getting closer to God. And the more time we spend doing damage control, the less time we got to get closer to Him. Many times we keep on doing things that we know we shouldn't, and, and we've all got countless excuses for it. I'm guilty as anybody, I promise you. But it's not until we really make efforts to change that anything happens. Turn to John chapter 5 if you've got your Bibles. If you're in Romans, just back up a little bit. John chapter 5. From Romans it goes Acts and then John. It's not until we really make an effort to change, guys, that anything is going to happen in our lives. John chapter 5, start at verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem with, for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate. What's the sheep gate? Gate the sheep go through? A pool. Which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One guy who's had been an invalid for 38 years was laying there. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked the man, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid said, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Boo-hoo. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. Now the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who'd been healed, It's the Sabbath. The law says you can't carry your mat. And he told him, Hey, the man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And that's what I did. They asked him who it was. and uh, He had no idea who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now listen. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Hmm. Jesus asks the man if he wants to get well. I think that's the reason that we keep on with the things we know we shouldn't so often. We don't really want to get well. And that may be hard for some of you to hear. But here's the deal. If you say you want to get well, but you really don't, then you can still keep on doing whatever it is that you shouldn't be doing, and you don't have to feel quite as bad about it. You know what I mean? Verse 14 is, is also real important here. Jesus tells him, see, you are well. Stop sinning, or something worse might happen to you. This man really wanted to get well. And Jesus healed him. 
But Jesus also reminds him, hey, man, if you don't stop sinning, bad things are going to keep happening. If we keep on sinning, bad things are going to happen. If we keep on roping turkey buzzards, we're going to keep getting in wrecks. I ain't saying that we're going to be punished for every sin. A lot of times, God will let us go through wrecks that we've gotten ourselves into, always giving us a chance to get out of them. And sometimes, guys, we think we've made it through the storm just fine. Sometimes we think that wasn't the best choice, but I lived through it. Maybe I'll do it again. Just like that old boy roping the buzzard, see? He knew he shouldn't rope him, but he did. He knew he shouldn't take his dallies after he caught him, but he did. He knew he should turn loose of his rope, but he didn't. And just when he thought the wreck was over, old buzzard flapped his wing one more time. Buddy, he was walking home. Until we learn to turn loose of the rope, or better yet, to not rope the buzzard at all when we ride up on it, we're not going to keep from getting ourselves in wrecks. And when God gives us a chance to turn loose of that rope, we need to take it. If you don't, sooner or later, you're going to end up walking home. I promise you. Guys, if you're tired of roping turkey buzzards, if you're tired of dallying off and hoping you'll make it through another wreck, there is a way to fight it. The way to fight starts with giving control of your life to the one who died for you, for every single one of you. Jesus Christ came to earth in the form of a man. He lived among man. He gave his life by being beat, tortured, spit on, and nailed to a cross. And those are the facts. He did those things and a heck of a lot more so that you and I don't have to keep roping buzzards when we ride up on them. So that sin doesn't have to control us. So that we're no longer a slave to sin. So that we can all have the ability to fight those desires to do things that we know we shouldn't do. So that we can keep from getting in so many stinking wrecks. If you're sick and tired of getting in wrecks, ask Jesus to forgive you. Ask him to take over from here on out. Guys, that, that's why he gave his life. God didn't send him down here on a whim. He gave his life so that you could live the life that God wants you to, that God designed you to. And it's a great life, I promise you. So that you could have the power to resist the devil when he puts another turkey buzzard on top of the next hill you're about to ride over. So that you could have the power to resist the devil when he says... Doing pretty good there, Jake. A little turkey buzzard. Used to like to rope them, remember that? No, sir. Gets me in wrecks. So that you could, guys, he did it so that you could be forgiven of all of your sins. So that you could spend forever in heaven with him. That's why Jesus came and did what he did. Every single one of you have a choice to make. You, you choose to follow Christ or not. To ride with him or not. It's called free will. Besides that, every single one of you have to choose if you're going to rope the next buzzard you ride up on or not. Some of you are going to have a buzzard come in your path before you make it out the door today. What are you going to do? Are you going to choose to rope it? See if you live through another wreck? Or are you going to just ride on by? Guys, just remember, Jesus came so that you could have the power to resist sin. It no longer has control over you. It's up to you what you do with that. You know this old world is full of tough trails and scary switchbacks. Our prayer is that God spoke to you today through His Word. If you heard God talking to you, just get on the internet and visit us at SaveTheCowboy.com. We're trying to reach every corner of the globe wherever there might be a cowboy or cowgirl that needs to hear God's Word in a way that they can understand. But we can't do that without your support. You can become a saddle partner with us at our website, www.SaveTheCowboy.com, or contact us at 303-621-0133. Get out there and do what God's telling you to do. This program was brought to you by Western LLC, facility development for the oil and gas and aviation industries across the western United States. Reach them at westernllc.net 
Also by the good folks at Integrity Auto Repair in Kiowa, Colorado, and Comanche Creek Enterprises. Contact them today for no-till drilling and burrowing rodent control. 